Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by... Mason Joseph. And today we are joined by our very special guest from Cork and Java, who you've heard Billy before, but today Billy is joined by his wife. Uh, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Sure, yeah. I'm Billy um, and my wife, Bryn. And yeah, we run uh, the CorkandJava.com blog as well as the Cork and Java um, YouTube channel where we do different wine, coffee, reviews, and how-tos. Trying to, you know, um, expand and enhance people's experience with all sorts of their favorite beverages. So, yeah, that's kind of what we do. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy your guys' channel quite a bit, especially since. Uh, hang on, my dog. Hang on. Hey. <laughs> I, I, here, I thought it was on uh, Billy's side or Billy and Bryn's side. I was like, oh, they've got the squeaky dog too. It's yeah. a great day. <laughs> Mulder, Mulder's discovered he just wants to walk around and just squeak toys all day. So, hang on, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take that one away from him and give him something else. <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> What's even better is like, because it's like his like newest dog. So he's just like, I've I've got two dogs that both have interesting quirks. <laughs> and he's got two Shiba Inus. So oh, wow. this is his male Shiba Inu puppy um, that he got to keep the other one company. And luckily for him, the the male Shiba Inu is like gonna be bigger than the female because most female shiba inos are not necessarily like, aggressive aggressive they're just more dominant and mm. so <laughs> this one's kind of like tries to push the other one around and he's like i'm almost as big as you now i i'm not falling for this well, he's, he's, he's he's bigger than her now he's uh oh is he yeah he's like an inch taller and like a pound <laughs> like a pound heavier now so but she still beats him up and he just rolls over whenever it happens <laughs> so but I forgot. I lost. I lost uh, my train of thought. Oh, what I was saying is, I enjoy your guys' show a lot because it. You guys get into liquor and uh, coffee and things like that, which is is outside of Mason's in my wheelhouse. Like occasionally, we'll talk about beer, which you guys also talk about beer. But for the most part, we are very niche, <laughs> very speci- <laughs> very specifically wine. So uh, it's always great to have you guys on the show so that we can kind of get some perspective from. Somebody who has a little bit wider uh, range of beverage choices, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, before we get into the, today's topic, which I guess I'll give everybody a tantalizing preview, it is Christmas pairings or holiday pairings for those of you who don't celebrate Christmas but have some sort of celebration type thing around this time of year. Um we're going to be doing like wine and if you guys have liquor that you want to talk about that pairs well or coffee that pairs well with anything we can talk about that too but we always just talk about the in the first couple of minutes of our show what we're sipping on so uh mason i'll go ahead and let you tell us what you're sipping on tonight first so i have a 2018 savion blanc it's a casa magoni um so i got this uh from a um, gold medal wine club so my final shipment of the one that my wife bought me for my birthday in january showed up uh for the fourth quarter it's been like hang on my chair just collapsed <laughs> uh so 
Um, but yeah, so 2018 Savion Blanc um, out of Baja, Mex- Baja, California, Mexico. It's super tasty, um, very light, uh, good acidity. Um, can you guys still hear me okay? Yeah. 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 Okay. Because like I'm sitting in like a camp chair and the bottom just literally fell out. So. Uh. <laughs> I'm now sitting on the ground, but I'm like two feet from the mic when I'm normally not. Okay. Um, so. But uh, 13% alcohol by volume, um, like very, very pale, um, like I said, very good acidity, very bright. Um, so, yeah. That sounds, nice. that sounds pretty good. I was actually excited to hear about this one because uh, we don't see a lot of wines out of Baja, California. But it does seem to be like an up-and-coming new region, kind of kind of like... Actually, Mexico in general, there's a couple places. Like I know in Chihuahua, they're starting to do stuff, and it's actually like right across the border from where the southern part of Texas, where they're starting to do stuff here as well. But um, so I was interested to see what what you got from there and what it was going to be like, Mason. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's very nice. Um, like the two other wines, one they are both red blends, and apparently, like Baja California's blend style is French. And Spanish uh, grape varietals. Okay, that's interesting. That makes sense. So, yeah, um, I mean, maybe... I wonder if they have to do a lot of irrigation in that area because of how dry it is. I would imagine. I, I know that now. This is a totally different region than than Baja, but down in uh, like the Marfa, the Marfa part of Texas, there they do put irrigation in. But the one guy who I know uh, that is down there, <laughs> Mason, are you are you trying to move that chair? I am trying to get off the floor, and it's very painful at the moment. So I'm sorry for all the extra noise. It's all right. I, we could pause it if you'd like. No, no, I'm 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 in a good seat position now, uh, okay. so it'll be much quieter. Sorry. Okay. I just want I just want to make sure you're all right. <laughs> yeah. Like physically, I'm fine. I'm very embarrassed. Well, <laughs> emotionally, I don't know if I'll ever be okay. Right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so down down in Marfa, they do uh, drip, yeah they have irrigation and drip irrigation. But he's been growing some stuff outside of his enclosure because he also have to enclose down there because it's it's got um, there's all sorts of like crit- critters and stuff that run around and will eat your grapes, deer in particular. But um, they they outside the enclosure, he put some vines in there, doing fine without any irrigation at all. So maybe that's just just his luck, I guess, or, or it could be that for some reason, particular areas, uh, need it less than others. I mean, grapes are a pretty hardy, a pretty hardy, uh, plant. So sometimes, you know, and and that's the thing is, I don't know if Baja California, um, that area of Mexico suffers from the same, the um, lack of rainfall. Like, so I don't, I don't know what like the actual environment there is by comparison to, you know, further North in California and uh, other parts of Mexico. I think, I think it's similar to at least like climate wise, I think it's similar to San Diego. Makes sense. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's long, so who knows? Maybe there's some microclimates and stuff there that that make it totally different. I don't know. That's a good thing to look into. Um, So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, (laughs) we'll look into that at some point. Well, Um, as part of the gold medal wine club, they give you like a, kind of a profile on the region so oh, i'll see really? if it has anything about the the weather um and report back on the next episode oh that sounds good okay all right um well i'm gonna get into real quick what i'm drinking just because i'm excited about it and it's really interesting um i'm drinking a wine it's it's uh, mark harold's it's from mark harold wine it's called petite collide 2015 uh 
it's from California generically, so it's it's made up of stuff from all over California. It's 15.5% alcohol by volume. I think this is a really interesting blend, and I can't actually find anything about it really online. Uh, there are other collides, but this particular blend I can't find online. It's 58% Petite Syrah, 22% Tempranillo, 1% Graciano, and 1% Carignan. And now Tempranillo, Graciano, and Carignan are all uh, Rioja uh, grape varietals, so they're they're used in Rioja wine. Um, then the Petite Syrah, which is the bulk of this, is just kind of out. Like it seems like left field to me. Like it's just like this whole other thing that they're using in there. Uh, I paid thirteen dollars a bottle for this, which is uh, I don't know if that's a good buy or not because I can't find it online. There, the red blend that is a similar blend to this one from twenty fifteen. Is thirty dollars a bottle, but it's not this blend. It's it, there. That blend is forty two percent Petit Syrah, thirty percent Tempranillo, twenty five percent Graciano, and three percent Carignan. So it's a different blend with the same grapes. I don't know what the difference taste wise would be, but it's it, it's it's an interesting wine to me. Uh, I put this as like an interesting note because I didn't realize this until I started trying to find information out about this. This is the same winemaker that does. Uh, Flux, which Mason, I've reviewed Flux. I think I've reviewed their Grenache or their Morvedre uh, on here before, both of which were really good and I like them. And I actually have several bottles of both of those uh, still. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I haven't reviewed this one or tasted it yet, but there is a, uh, it's called Aka, A-C-H-A. Mm-hmm. They have a couple of different ones for that as well. It's a, it's also a red blend, but it's, it's a Spanish style red blend similar to Rioja. So, I, I guess I'll come back to that. I didn't realize that this these all three of these were the same winemaker, but they are. This one I think is very good. Uh, I'll go ahead and give my tasting notes on it. So I said, look, it's a deep, deep purple. So almost black, but on the very edges, it just is purple. So you can kind of like see that it's actually red. Um, smell, like I tried to get other smells out of this, but it's just like plum jam. There, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of leather and tobacco in the in the smell as well, but or on the nose or whatever the fancy way of saying it is. But it is, it's like very plummy. And then when you taste it, surprise, surprise, plum jam. And uh, <laughs> but there is a lot of leather and tobacco. Uh, there's like some uh, like pepperiness, not not like black pepper because I always associate black pepper with like a dustiness. But this is more like a uh, maybe clove or. Um, Maybe red pepper, even it, it's it's interesting, uh, but yeah, also tobacco, also uh, other spices that I can't really place. It's it's quite tannic, which makes sense because Petit Syrah is the is the main grape for it. Uh, a lot of heat. It stays with you well after you swallow uh, your sip, um, but in a good way. And then it kind of comes out as like after a while, it's like a tart dark fruit jam, not necessarily plum, but more like a tart blackberry jam or something like that toward the end. Um, I can also tell it's acidic, but that's not what I'm getting. The reason I can tell is, you know when you like, I don't know if you guys all experience this or not, when I drink something that's like really acidic, like it feels like my pores open up. Do you guys ever get that? Yeah. Like in, like your pores in your mouth? No, no, in your, on your forehead. In your face. Yeah, like in your oh. face. Yeah. Oh. I don't necessarily. Okay, I, I get that. And so like I could tell there's, it's acidic, but that's not like the, that's not like the flavor that I got. I just am like, I, I took a sip and then started sweating and was like, okay, so I think this, I think this is a little bit acidic. It's interesting. Um, 
I, I like it a lot. So like my conclusion on this is it's super interesting. I, I and I really like it. I just have no idea where to like place it in my wine knowledge. Like you know, like if I if if like all the wine I ever drank were like lined up in like a spectrum, I have no idea where to put this. It's definitely going to be like on the the like Texas Tempranillo, uh, Grenache like the the kind of fruitier red side but it's also tannic so it's going to be like more in with like the cab sob so it's like it's a really unusual wine it's it's very good and i wish i had more than one bottle of it left but uh yeah so i i give this like a thumbs up if you can get it i just don't know how how else to describe it i i would say the closest thing i can describe this with would be like a good texas tempranillo uh hmm. but then add in uh more tannins nice yeah. yeah, when you said um, Petite Syrah, I was like, I bet that's like a black hole. And then you said it was super dark. I was like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's and cool. I, and I know uh, Petite Syrah, it's, I, I really think it is a really good blend grape. Like it just adds a lot of body and character to uh, to when you're blending it with other grapes. Mm. Some of my favorite blends have heavy Petite Syrah in it. Yeah, and this they, they do a great job with this. It, it, it gave a lot of... Uh, well, I, I can't say for sure, but definitely color because it's such a dark grape. But it also, I think, probably added a lot of nose to it because uh, particularly California Petite Syrah tends to be very plummy and jammy, but also has a lot of those kind of like spicy characteristics to it as well. And and what they chose to to blend this with Tempranillo, which New World Tempranillo tends to be very, very jammy and fruity, um, does give those tobacco and leather notes as well, but it, it could stand to be spiced up a little bit. And I think the Petite Syrah probably adds that. I, I would say probably, if anything, this Tempranillo mellows out the tannins of the Petite Syrah. Um, what the 1% Graciano and 1% Carignan is there for, I don't know. Maybe just that's what they had left over. Or it, it really could be adding something to it because in the the other red blend, the one that's not this one, but that's also called Collide, um, they have a lot more Graciano and well, three times as much Carignan, even though it's only 3% still. So I'm just curious to see the difference. I kind of want to grab the other one and, and like do a comparison because they like what what was what was uh, Mark Harold's thoughts on this one versus his thoughts on the other blend. So and since there's no information of this one, as soon as I saw there was no information, I was like, I wonder if this is just what he had left over. And he was just like, eh, just put it together. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you cool. what are you guys drinking tonight? So I am drinking, it's really boring, just straight gin. It's from London. It's dry. It's basically Christmas tree vodka. But yeah, I enjoy gin, especially around Christmas time. Just, I don't know, it kind of feels Christmassy to me. Okay. One of our friends uh, from the Rolo and Slappy show, Rolo McFlugel, is a gin gin guy. He likes that a lot. And I have... I actually don't know for sure that I've ever had gin. I do have a bottle of gin, but I don't think I've ever drank it. So it's just been, yeah. it's just been sitting up there forever. I don't have know. You had vod- have you had just vodka straight before? Yeah, I've had vodka. Think of Christmas tree flavored vodka, and that's basically what it is. Okay, all right, that's interesting. Um, we, well, we might we might try that at some point. <laughs> I, I always thought of it was just like a mixing alcohol that was for making mixed drinks, but. Then, like, I yeah, talk- gin and tonic is probably the biggest thing, but that uh-huh. it's basically just called soda and gin, so it's just making the gin fizzy. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Anything else you guys are drinking? Or Yeah, I am drinking a Sauvignon Blanc. If you are in our Facebook group, the Cork and Java Facebook group, um, we bought one of those advent calendars that is um, 
has small bottles of wine in it, and we open one every day and review it mm-hmm. for almost every day. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I am drinking one that we had the other night. Um, I think it was a proudly vegan brand. Uh, it's mm. nothing special. It's um, a little acidic, um, a bit tart, but it's really light-bodied, not very complex. Um, so I'm just <laughs> getting rid of that, getting it out of the fridge. So. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. I do. I am in your guys' group on Facebook. Uh, Mason, do you have Facebook? I do. You should. You should get in their group. I didn't realize I wasn't in it. Oh, okay. But like that makes sense. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm but, one uh, of those terrible Facebookers. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm not actually very good at it either. I use it mostly to look at motorcycles that I'm never going to buy. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but okay, well, let's then go ahead and get into our topic for this week. Um, let me ask you guys this: you're you're a young married couple with a family. Do you mm-hmm, have yeah. do you have any do you have any Christmas traditions that you had growing up that you've carried into your family now, or have you started any new Christmas traditions? Uh, with your current, with your young family, or where I, what, so, what, what would you call that? The current family, because like your old family is still your family, but it's yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we were just in. So we're in a group text with uh, my family, and we are just talking about traditions to create and stuff. And my uh, uh, dad was like, "So what traditions do we have as a family besides my brother ruining Christmas?" <laughs> Which, to my knowledge, he only did one year. And it was really only Christmas Eve, so um, uh, I don't know if we have any like ones that are long-lasting. I mean, we do, you know, the general um, exchanging presents in the morning of Christmas and uh, uh, get family together. But is there anything? Yeah, we tend to celebrate Christmas Eve with my side of the family. Um, my side growing up always made like a bigger production of Christmas Eve mm-hmm. uh, with extended family. Okay. Um, and, you know, having like the nice dinner and, you know, exchanging gifts um, with the extended family on Christmas Eve. Um, and so we still do that. We tend to go to my parents' house and my extended family comes over to their house on Christmas Eve. And then Billy's family um, has always done like the bigger production on Christmas, you know, like the nice dinner and, you know, exchanging all the gifts Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so the past couple of years, they've been coming um, to our house um, and the rest of the family has been coming to our house for Christmas morning, um, you know, and opening presents and having a nice Christmas breakfast and a nice Christmas dinner later. But yeah, we don't have anything like too specific. Um, I started a few things with the kids this year, like um, you know, the little advent calendars and, um, you know, I don't know if you had these growing up. Um, it's basically like a big felt board and it has one through 24 on it and it's like little pockets and you, um, you know, take something out of the pocket each day. Uh, I've been wrapping little ornaments uh-huh. and, um, the kids take one out each day and put the little ornament on their, you know, they have a like two foot tree in the playroom. And mm-hmm. so they just take one out each day. But other than that, I don't really think we have anything super specific. Um, That's pretty we like cute. To decorate cookies and you know do that kind of stuff each Christmas. Um, I, I like that one. I like that one with the little slots. That sounds that sounds pretty cool. We I don't think we yeah. ever did anything like that, but I like that one. Yeah. That one's very fun. What about you, Mason? Have you have you been doing anything new with uh, your daughter? Uh, so my wife's been doing a lot more uh, stuff now that my daughter's three. So she's got 
a lot more hand controls. So they spent like most of yesterday making cookies and then icing them today. And then they, uh, my wife gave my daughter like three little bowls and in each bowl it had like colored, like green sprinkles, red sprinkles, or like the white, um, kind of little candies to sprinkle onto the cookies. So then she, you know, sprinkled the cookies and then they were packing them up to send them off to my wife's family in California and then prepping them to be, uh, given to my family as my wife, uh, has always given my family like, um, like pretzels with a melted Rolo and an M&M on them, mm, okay. like as a gift. Cause we were always kind of like, Hey, we don't have a lot of money at first. And so we're like, why don't we make something that they'll remember? Cause like, we've always been kind of of the, we buy what we need when we need it. Yeah. And everything for, that we get for Christmas, at least from each other is more like, Oh, I thought you would enjoy this. And if you don't, it's not the end of the world. It's not like I'm, you know, like, or here's a piece of like, here's something small that like you just it directly told me you wanted. So, right, right. um, we do a lot of that. Like growing up, my mom got us an ornament each year, like with the, like the specific like kid's name and the year. So my mom caught up with my daughter this year. So she got three ornaments already um, that have all the, you know, her name and the year and everything like that. So that's kind of like the only real direct traditions. Like my wife's family was more the do everything on New Year's Eve or not New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve. And my family was do everything during Christmas, but we're going to try to do it the other way around this year. Okay. Um, where, like we spend Christmas by ourselves, but have a big, you know, do something on uh, Christmas Eve. But you know, you know, our work, Jacob. Who knows when I'll get out of work? <laughs> that's true. It's 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 that's difficult in in that industry. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think that you 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 both kind of mentioned the the dinner or whatever. So the kind of the topic, oh, actually, and and my Christmas, I, I don't really want to get too much into it because ours is highly regimented. Or not really highly <laughs> regimented. It's it's like it's so jam packed full of like weird Lindsay tradition that uh, like there's like it's like and at this hour we do this thing and at this hour we do this thing and it's and it's all but you know we all enjoy it. I'm from a large large family so it it's uh, a kind of theater <laughs> at this point except for none of us live anywhere near each other anymore um, so we don't we don't do that anymore but I think one day we will kind of go back to it but. Uh, but we do do it. We do do. We do a big dinner. And one thing that I didn't realize, but people have different main meat dishes for Christmas. And I always thought that ham was just standard. Everybody did ham unless you like were Muslim, in which case you wouldn't be celebrating Christmas or Jewish, in which case you also wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. <laughs> um, so I, I always thought it was ham, but apparently uh, there are other things as well, like roast beef is very popular and then Mason when I when I mentioned uh that we would be doing wine pairings you said oh well I'll, I'll talk about what I would pair with turkey because it's different than what I talked about for Thanksgiving with turkey mm -hmm. uh so that to me indicates that sometimes you have turkey on Christmas uh you know like my my parents always did a ham but I think like turkey breast is snuck in there my wife is actually going to try to do a goose this year okay because oh, wow. like goose is the traditional Christmas like English Christmas like meat. So we, we did. we've always we've always talked about doing goose. So <laughs> we did duck a couple of years ago, Victoria and I. Yeah. And it was so good that we ate all of it or almost all of it in the, on that day. Sick. Yeah, and then we were super sick for 
like the rest of the day. <laughs> what What about you guys over at uh, Cork and Java? What do you guys eat usually for Christmas? Is it is your Christmas Eve and your Christmas Day dinners different, or uh, do you guys have like a traditional like main main protein source? Um, it's usually different every time. We don't ever do ham just because we're not big fans of it. Okay. Um, but. Last year we did we fried a turkey and we also smoked a prime rib, mm. and oh. so we had the dark prime rib and you had the whiter meat from the uh, turkey, mm-hmm. and yeah, so okay, we that... had a pretty big variety. We've also had lamb on um, previous years Ooh, um, yeah. at Billy's parents' house, mm-hmm. and my family usually does prime rib. Um, uh, we've had a few like oddball years where my mom was like. I'm not doing like the big fancy thing. We're just going to have like subs and <laughs> Oh, that sounds good. Stuff. So, <laughs> it was a really easy, but it was really fun to like change it up too, but um yeah, normally they do prime rib or turkey or something. Okay. Yeah, so I we always did ham and it didn't occur to me until later on in life that people did other things. Now is now Forgive my lack of knowledge when it comes to meat because, like, beef is beef to me, and then I always forget which is which one's which. Is roast beef and prime rib the same thing, or are these different things? Um, I think they're different. I'm, I don't, I'm not really sure what roast beef is specifically because usually what I'm having and it's on uh, like <laughs> a sandwich. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Roast beef and prime rib are they're near the same cuts of meat, uh, but prime rib has kind of a different preparation style a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, you, they're close enough. Okay. But, like, it, it, there's definitely a huge difference on, um, like, as they were, as Billy was saying, like, the the sandwich variety of roast beef. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, I, I don't, like, whenever, I, I think it's just because, like, my, my weird upbringing is, um, like, beef is beef. Like most pork is pork unless it's pork chops, and and if it's not <laughs> if it's not pork chops, it's ham, and and I now I, I know there's like tenderloin and stuff like that. We just never ate it, mm-hmm. and then there's like different birds, but we only ever ate chicken or turkey. So <laughs> so like so like the, like in my mind these things are like so I'm now just kind of like starting to discover that. But Mason, you you talked you said you wanted to talk about what you would pair with turkey, which from the way that you told it to me in the text is different than what what I would pair with turkey or what is standard pairing with turkey. What well, what do you think? Yeah, you would pair? so so at Thanksgiving, like we had a um, a Pinot Noir that a, a friend brought, and then I had the uh, ice wine style red blend, late late harvest blend. Um, that was a super sweet dessert wine that paired paired very well with the that turkey. Um, but for me, like the Thanksgiving meal is generally a much heavier meal, whereas like the Christmas meal, there's usually less stuff prepared. And I think it's because of the other things that go on with Christmas, like the tradition of opening gifts. And, you know, there's just it's to me, it seems like it's a busier day. Mm-hmm. So for me, like I would and this is kind of my normal style of stuff. So the our normal listeners won't be surprised. I would generally pair it with like a, a lighter and drier white. Um, so like a, like a dry, not semi dry, but a dry Riesling um, or like the Sauvignon Blanc I had today, which wasn't super dry, um, but it wasn't overly sweet either. 
and something and i would try to get something with a little bit higher acidity um for me because it would pull like kind of refresh your tongue for that turkey which you'll get a, a lot of people will do with the reds so but so interesting that's just how yeah. i usually go yeah i mean like your 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 pairing style to me is like i wouldn't say it's not wrong because you you know you drink what you like and you, drink, and you eat with and also you know, you and I have talked about this before is we often don't eat and drink at the same time. We mm-hmm. eat and then we drink or we drink and then we eat. Um, it's just so interesting <laughs> to me, like your reasoning. Cause I'm like, that's not, it's not wrong exactly, but it sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> what about, what about you guys over at Cork and Java? Would you, what would you pair with a turkey? Do you think? And, uh, and, and what, f- feel free, would pair feel, would feel free to probably. Pinot Noir, if you're if we're going red, um, just because it's a lot lighter. But I don't know, turkey you can go a lot of nice uh, white wines as well. Um, maybe like a Gewurztraminer or even Riesling, um, semi-sweet I think would probably uh, go well. Just because a lot of our family isn't huge into wine, so. Mm. Um, if you get a little sweetness, I think they like it more. Well, that's that's why that's one of the reasons why I chose when I did the pairing Beaujolais, because mm. I thought Beaujolais was uh, going to be particularly Beaujolais Village is going to be it's gamay, so it's going to be very jammy, very. It's not sweet; it is a dry wine, but it is reminiscent of sweet because it tastes so much like fruit, uh, and so I think it's easily accessible for most people. And it goes really well if you're going to either deep fry a turkey or smoke a turkey. It's, it, I mean, that's what's cool about Beaujolais in general is that it kind of pairs with everything. And uh, not not everything, everything, but it does pair with a lot of stuff because it is kind of a generic – it's it's sort of like a more accessible version of Pinot Noir to me. Mm-hmm. And, I can tell you what not to pair with turkey. Okay. Um, <laughs> from personal experience, this uh, – previous thanksgiving we were visiting some family and uh they cook really well but they they hardly ever drink and um so they had a lambrusco uh wine Hmm. which is a fairly sweet cheap red wine that uh side of the family loves yeah that's that is that the italian one that's like sparkling yeah Yeah, okay and uh so um because I know they don't drink very much. It was like one of the large, like 1.75 milliliter bottles. Oh. It was like <laughs> half gone already. And oh. so I asked, I was like, oh, um, when did you guys uh, start drinking this? And they were like, oh, yeah, it was uh, a few weeks ago. and But it's been in the fridge. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, I... Uh, while we're all eating dinner, I just pour a little bit. I was like, this is going to be a science experiment. And I took a sip. It's just like pure vinegar at oh, this yeah. point. And uh, Bren goes to uh, pour her some, and I'm just giving her the eye and shaking my head, no, no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so yeah, um, definitely don't serve anything that's been open more than like 48 hours at least. Yeah. And then so I asked, I was like, do you guys have any other wines? And uh, they took me over to the, like the – a liquor cabinet and there's a bottle sitting on top with a stopper that was too small it wasn't even sealing it and i was like oh what when did you guys open this one 
they were like, I don't even remember. And I was just like, eh, I don't like that one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny because that, that's, you know, my family uh, doesn't drink either. And so I think that they, I would have a similar experience with, well, my, my parents don't. So I would have like a similar experience with them is they'd, they'd be like, oh, well, somebody gave us this and we opened it, but uh, I had a sip and I didn't like it. So we just put it up on the shelf for when you're visiting. I was like, well, when was that? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like six months ago. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, that's not good. When anymore. your grandmother was last here, six years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my, my grandma doesn't drink either. Like, oh, I know, yeah. but it's like just kind of like that's the the mile marker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I think that that for turkey, that's that's a good a good. Uh, you know, let's put it. Let's put a like a good sized cork in that, and <laughs> and move on to uh, the other thing. So I I went ahead and w- went with ham and roast beef. Um, now you said your family doesn't really like ham. Mason, you and I have had ham together before mm-hmm. uh, on, uh, I think actually we did it for Thanksgiving one year. Cause I don't really like, yeah, I, think, I, don't, I don't care for Turkey that much. I think it's okay, but it's not my favorite. Yeah. I think you came over to my parents' house and they were doing ham that year or something like that. But yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, maybe we, that, maybe that was Easter. I think that's probably more likely. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like my, my parents will generally do a ham pretty much any chance they get. They'll just, it's kind of like the tack on meat. Yeah. Um, so it's like, oh, we're doing turkey and ham, but like usually it's cause like somebody will buy a pre-cut spiral ham and yeah, you know, you just, it's basically just being warmed at that point. Well, this so. is, yeah, this is kind of like my, like, I guess faux pas as like a, a middle-class person or whatever. I like canned ham, not spam, but like, you know, those like, <laughs> those like cornfield or whatever, uh, Black Forest canned hams. You, you know what I'm I talking know about? What they are. I have no eaten. idea. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Like they're like to me, they're like the most delicious thing ever. But also, like I've gotten them before, thinking it was kind of classy, and then people being like, "What is this?" <laughs> and it, and I was like, "Oh, you you guys don't eat this normally." And then it turns out, oh, well, I'm from a poor family. I guess this is kind, <laughs> this is high class for us. <laughs> but yeah, I've heard of spam, and I've heard of the mini hot dogs in the can, but I've never heard of ham in a can yeah there, there is it's, yeah. it's like and it, it, it's like a large uh like a large we, we used to eat them all the time but then once like once my dad got promoted in the military and like made more money we started getting like the spiral cut ham and my mom would serve it and we'd be like what's this and she'd be like oh it's a ham and i'm like ham, ham doesn't come in a can what why would we eat this thing <laughs> and, and she's like no this is the good stuff <laughs> and uh but you know anyways but Canned ham aside, because you can prepare that in a lot of different ways, and it can and it could be uh, it can be sweet or it could not be sweet. One of the one of the very popular ones, you know, I used to work at the Toys R Us. Uh, you guys are kind of all from the same area, so I don't know if you know. Down in Virginia Beach, next to Pembroke Mall, there used to be a Toys R Us, and I used to work at that Toys R Us, or not not next to Pembroke Mall, next to Lynn Haven Mall. Um, yeah. And Mason, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys know, or or you guys don't get down to Virginia Beach that often? Yeah, we're not down there too often. Okay. All right. Well, I used to work there, and right next to that was the Honey Baked Ham store. And there would be, whenever they were, like, ready to sell stuff for Christmas, there would be a line at for the Honey Baked Ham store that would wrap around the Toys R Us building and back around another time, and they would have to, like, divide it up so that people could go in and buy their Honey Baked Ham. And they all had to have reservations for the Honey Baked Ham. Wow. So, so... <laughs> I, that indicates to me that honey baked ham from the honey baked ham store is quite popular, uh, and so that's what I decided to do my pairing with is honey baked ham because to me ham is a traditional Christmas meat. 
And uh, so it, it's actually, I, I think it, that honey baked ham tends to be on the sweeter side. We usually, whenever we did honey baked ham, we also served it with mustard. So that gave it more of like a spiciness, uh, particularly like Dijon mustard. So it would be a little bit spicier. Uh, but it's a sweeter, saltier pork. And I, I kind of, in my mind, was like, well, it's a sweeter, so- saltier pork. This is going to be kind of like sweet capricolo a little bit. And so I'll do my pairings that I usually pair with sweet capricolo with honey baked ham and I think they should go together pretty pretty well and uh, so I did dry Riesling a dry Chenin Blanc uh, which most of them are dry Uh, you could go with white Zinfandel or if you want to go with with red I would go with Merlot Uh, I think that those all go really well with sweet Capricolo I would think that this would go really well with uh, a honey baked ham what do you guys think Uh, Cork and Java Um, yeah this might be off a left field but one of my first things especially when you said the mustard and uh, just kind of with the honey ham, mm-hmm. a, a a probably like a brute champagne. Okay, I that, was thinking that's might go well. Yeah, that's what that's what they recommend online as well. But I don't like champagne, so I didn't recommend it. Uh, oh. Yeah, I I champagne's okay. It's it's not my favorite thing in the world. I I would much prefer um, what is it, cava or uh, what's the one from Argentina? Um, I can't remember what it's um, called. They they have a sparkling one down there as well. But uh, so cava or uh, the sparkling from Argentina, which I can't recall. Those those are I tend to like those better. But just for some reason, I don't know if this is like psychosomatic or whatever. But when I drink sparkling wines, uh, even Lambrusco does this to me. I feel like I have like a really bad hangover, even if I only had like a glass or two. Huh. And I, I it might be psychosomatic because of the one time Mason, you and I drank way too much champagne. <laughs> and, and and I felt so terrible the next day. So it may yeah. be it may be related to that. I don't know. But uh what about you, Mason? What would you what what do you think you would pair with the ham? I know you always kinda come like with a whole different position on that. Well, so like because I'm I'm highly sensitive to salt, um like to me, like a, a diverse demeanor, like a, a sweet wine, because even though ham is generally kind of sweet, mm-hmm. um, I generally don't get the sweeter part of the ham, like the spiral part, like the outside casing. I try okay. to avoid that usually because uh, it's too sweet to me. So like I would possibly go with a diverse demeanor. Um, but if I was getting trapped in the sweet part, I actually might go cab sob just for the like the punchiness of it. Okay. Um, so, and even like, uh, like maybe like a cab franc, if I knew it was going to be like, cause there's, they, sometimes they have like the sugar glaze in addition. And sometimes people pre-apply that and you don't really get to choose. Um, so if I knew that was kind of going to happen, like I'd probably at that point then, yeah, go with, um, like a cab franc just to like really try to like cut that sweetness down as fast as possible. Okay. Um, but also not necessarily like blow out my palate fully kind of like trying to rein it in a bit okay all right well that that um that makes sense to me although i don't i don't know like i think because of the way that you and i drink it's like it sounds like oh that sounds good to me because like i'm envisioning you and me like eating dinner together and then going Mm -hmm. and drinking wine rather than like yeah drinking wine while we're eating (laughs) true so so on wine related i think I, I think I would pair a, an IPA beer too with uh, ham and uh, mustard. I'd probably, yeah, yeah, that's a good. I, actually, that's a great pairing. Yeah, that is that is a really good one too. Yeah, and and I think that what about liquor? Uh, you you're a lot more versed in liquors and stuff like that. Do you pair liquors with food, or do you just is is liquor more like an after dinner thing? 
Um, I haven't delved into that too much. I mean, liquor is generally so overpowering yeah. for most things that I, I don't know what it would pair with food-wise too much. Um, oh, yeah, it's, it's not something <laughs> that I ever pair with food, so I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, liquor is like a nightcap for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like rum would rum would be something like because the there's like a like with this like darker rums, um, I could see that going with like a ham, but like it it yeah usually with liquor it's kind of more of a sipping thing, okay, yeah. not like a like a enhancement of the meal. I mean, but, they're great to cook with, like yeah, uh, like rum and different desserts and uh, bourbon meatballs, like. There's a lot of good things you can do cooking-wise, but I don't know about pairing drinking. It, it just probably overpower anything you're eating. Yeah, okay. unless you made it into a cocktail. Like yeah, mixed it in with other yeah, things. cocktail. Yeah, that, I could see that. Okay, straight, it would probably be too much. Okay, well, I, you know, whenever I talk about liquor, I always kind of am referring to a cocktail, just because I don't, I don't, I don't drink it that much, and I also, I mean, Mason, you can attest to this. I, I find straight liquor nauseating. Like, just it's it's so overpowering the flavor. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, also though, I don't really drink a lot of mixed drinks either. So like, that's, that's kind of like a, like a totally out of left field. What about, what about like coffee and that sort of stuff? Would that, is that something that you would pair with food or is that just, is that more of a, yes, it definitely. Is? Okay. Um, so would you pair it with ham? It's usually pretty good with a lot of the desserts. Like it's, it's weird because coffee by itself, not sweet. It can be bitter depending on, uh, what you're brewing, but for some reason, it always pairs well with something high, uh, like fat and sugar content. Like okay. so, like buttery, um, chocolatey desserts always like uh, enhances that whatever coffee you're drinking. Like that's why like uh, coffee cakes and stuff like that go so well with with coffee. So save the coffee for whatever you're having with dessert. It probably go great. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Well, well, we'll get, we'll get to dessert in a minute. We got one more, well, two more main proteins. Uh, we can kind of, the last one I think actually is going to be real quick. Cause I, I don't know that any of us eat this, but, uh, the next one is, is roast beef, which I'm going to go ahead and say is similar to prime rib. Uh, and I looked it up after, af- while we were talking and it looks like uh prime rib is like a fattier version of roast beef. Roast beef is like cheaper meat. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. so but it's probably going to be roughly the same thing as what I put with roast beef because in my mind I was actually thinking of uh, London broil, which is the the large cut of meat that I normally eat when I make beef. Uh, and so I said uh, Carmenere, uh, particularly Ch- Chilean Carmenere because it's got – it's kind of got – it's a little bit bolder. It kind of cuts that fat. It kind of pushes its way through a lot of those uh, beefy flavors uh, to kind of like show itself. And also the, the fruitiness does kind of – uh, complement that as well, but also it's got a little bit of that like black pepper, uh, especially if it's Chilean. It's got some of the like black pepper, tobacco, leather, those kinds of notes on it. I also said Cab Franc. Uh, it's a little bit more delicate, but you can get some Cab Franc Francs that are a little bit more upfront. Uh, particularly, uh, Mason, do you remember when I reviewed that Italian Cab Franc about a year ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that Italian one I think would go real well with the roast beef. It was a little bit more kind of in your face. Uh, it's Whereas like the Cap Franc from Loire Valley, I I usually kind of put that more on the same level as like Pinot Noir. It's a little bit fruitier, a little bit more flavor forward than Pinot Noir, which tends to be kind of a ghost. But uh, but I would say maybe like that kind of bolder Cab Franc from California or maybe Italy or somewhere like that. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, 
course goes great with beef always uh it, it's such a it's i mean it's just such a classic pairing it goes well tempered neo particularly the texas tempered neos which are a little bit more high alcohol bolder in flavor um and also i went ahead and said merlot again because merlot i do see that also sort of along the same lines as what i see beaujolais as is just a good pairing wine it, it goes really well with food in lots of different cases uh what do you guys think at cork and java what what would you pair with uh, prime rib or roast beef me uh for for beef i like to go pretty old world something getting away from jammy and sweetness so maybe like a a, a nice bordeaux or something, something along those lines um yeah i like i like that because i don't like when i'm eating like a piece of steak or prime rib mm-hmm. to get a lot like a, a big jam note when okay I'm drinking my wine so that's just a kind of personal preference for me yeah um but yeah, obviously I'll go cab sav all day with with beef. But um, I just I don't like those fruit bombs with right uh, my food pairings typically. Okay, that makes that makes yeah. sense. Uh, yeah, my initial thought was a merlot or um, the cabernet sauvignon. But you mentioned the cab franc, and that's probably like one of my all time favorite wines. So um, I would. I'm going to change my answer to that. <laughs> that's that's actually my all-time favorite grape variety as well as Cap yeah. Franc. I try to so put good. it I put it in there all the time and it's such a um it reflects sight so well that you can get so many different things out of it. I I just went to last month a uh, wine tasting like big wine tasting event in DC and the theme was um it was uh American wines outside of California. And there was there was a lot of Virginia producers there, and Virginia does Cab Franc awesome. Like there, some of, some of the producers in Virginia for their Cab Franc is just it's it's incredible what they're doing. And then we there was some producers from New York from the Finger Lakes region who were also doing Cab Franc, so different but also incredible. And it it was so interesting to see kind of to compare those two because it was also interesting to see. Um, how they had the the wine tasting event arranged because it was it went from uh, northern latitudes to southern latitudes, and kind of going through that order. Also, you know, becoming progressively drunker as I went. Uh, it was it be, it was interesting to see like how light and delicate things were starting up in in New York and the Finger Lakes region, and just kind of like slowly crawling further and further south, and then getting into Virginia, and then and then ending in Texas when Texas is hardcore fruit bombs it is it's so fruity here because it's so hot high 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 alcohol um and they've just they've been on the vine for so long they're able to develop a lot of those fruit flavors but going from the mineraliness from from like uh in in like a cab franc in new york finger lakes region and then kind of going around and even you know texas does do cab franc i don't think they do it great but they do they do it and it it goes from being like this minerally slaty delicate wine into this like bold in your face fruit punch it's so interesting to to kind of kind of see how that works but definitely one of my favorite grape varietals too mason what do do you think um so i probably would go like you said the carmenere um or a tempranillo but uh probably like a spanish one um okay so a little more old world so less of the fruit bomb but like the carmenere like just for the pepperiness so like probably chilean um but that's assuming it's beef kind of more of the style that like my family traditionally does which is like you know kind of salt and black pepper as the main and garlic as the main flavorings but if you got like more exotic with the flavorings like 
like a lot more rosemary or thyme or, you know, ginger, like these other flavorings in there that it would. So it really kind of depends on how, if it's the focus is the meat, like for the person preparing it, or if there's a bunch of other things that are coming with it. Okay. Um, and then, you know, kind of a, again, like possibly a dry Riesling, um, if the flavors are less about the beef flavor Okay. and more like, kind of herby and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Riesling does tend to go, especially like an older Riesling does go surprisingly well with a lot of stuff because some of those older Rieslings you end up getting um, like those petrol notes and like those very kind of sharp notes that sort of cut through a lot of other stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, I think that's a, that's a, it's a, I, I guess would be um, intuitive maybe. I don't know what, I don't know what the word would be for it, but like something that doesn't seem like it would go with it, but because Riesling does present differently from different regions and you and one that's aged a little bit and that has that kind of like sharp those sharper flavors petrol and um what is it uh, sage i think is one of the flavors that comes out of on on a older riesling now you are getting sometimes in a higher price point for those but uh they can be they can be really good with these like fattier bolder foods because it it does prepare as well you know to kind of like now that you're mentioning it to sort of throw in a white that i think might go okay with either ham or roast beef uh because a little bit fuller body a little bit heavier uh well two actually come to mind is one is albarino uh which does tend to be a little bit uh bolder when it comes to its its uh appearance and flavor and stuff like that it's also lower acidity so i think now yeah i don't know it's kind of hard to say though but the other one would be uh what virginia does i think very well and actually texas does it pretty well as well and that's vignette uh, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily do vignette with roast beef, but I, I, I could see vignette going okay with ham. Uh, and uh, and and I think Virginia does a great vignette. It does tend to be a little bit uh, more uh, on on the bolder side uh, than like a vignette from you know France or somewhere in Europe. But uh, when it comes to whites, I think I think I tend to like Albarino and vignette better. They do tend to be heavier mouthfeel, a little bit bolder in flavor. And uh, they do present very well with stronger foods. Yeah, the state grape of Virginia is supposed to be Viognier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we maybe mentioned that, but I had forgotten. Yeah, we mentioned it in passing a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I've got I've got one more section, and that is going to kind of be a catch-all section because there are so many side dishes that go with Christmas dinners and, and well, we can even do Thanksgiving, but I kind of categorize this under, uh, what about vegetarians? Because I, I actually do happen to know that there's two or three vegetarians that listen to our show, Mason, <laughs> which is kind of funny because all we talk about is meat whenever it comes mm-hmm. to food and, uh, and wine does go great with meat, but it also goes very well with other things as well. Are we talking about vegan or just, vegetarian? Just, just, just vegetarian. So, um, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm counting things. Like, I'm counting things like potatoes, au gratin, which is like cheesy potatoes is what we call it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, green bean casserole, that sort of stuff. Uh, or, or items that even, even items that mimic meat. So like, uh, different types of tofurkey type dishes or, uh, you know, my sisters used to, yeah, I, I have, I have four sisters for everybody who doesn't know. And, uh, there, you know, they went through different times when they were vegetarian and stuff like that, which never really stuck. But uh, we can kind of expand this even if you want to pescatarian or whatever. But let's talk a little bit about like what are your favorite side dishes when it comes to a Christmas dinner, and maybe do wine pairings with the side dishes. I'll try to keep mine a little bit more toward what what vegetarians could do because uh, 
you know, vegetarian food can be very rich and bold food, uh, particularly, um, well, you know, Mason, you like this a lot. Is a lot of Indian dishes are vegetarian, and they are very mm-hmm. bold. But there's a lot of side dishes for Thanksgiving that are also vegetarian, not necessarily vegan, but vegetarian. And uh, there's a lot of great pairings for that. So, Cork and Java, what are some of your favorite side dishes that you guys have uh, when it comes to the holidays? I think we both agree that mashed potatoes <laughs> is the the must do side dish mm-hmm. of any big meal. And uh, I don't know for me. I know it's kind of controversial. A lot of people burned out with it, but a oak bomb Chardonnay goes well, I think, with anything with butter in it. Yeah. And uh, that are the mashed potatoes we make are heavy in butter. So, <laughs> well, that, you know, that's I mean, Mason and I actually until until I've started kind of branching out and going to like wine events, I sort of avoided Chardonnay a lot. What are what are some of the flavors that people can expect from an oaked Chardonnay? So you'll get a lot of creaminess a lot of vanilla um a lot of just anything that you would expect from something aged in oak Mm -hmm. for a while um uh, you might get a little bit of apple that's pretty common in a lot of chardonnays although my favorites don't typically have much apple in it okay Uh, yeah um, what are some some of the other characteristics that you would say Brent? no that was (laughs) that was all i had yeah. Well, that, that and that's kind of what I would expect. Now I know that like uh, it, it's very popular, or it was for a very long time, and now it's kind of out of favor. But like heavily oak chardonnays in California were very popular, and now people are kind of going like, "Eh, that's not what we want. We want chardonnay to be more expressive of the grape." But I think it's kind of more of a. Um, I, I, I mean, it is a matter of taste for, but it's also it, it's it's oaking is kind of a science in itself. It's 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 mm-hmm. deciding how long to leave it in and figure out how much you it, it, are you doing new oak or are you doing old oak and yeah. uh, how long are you leaving it in? Is it French oak? Is it American oak? Is it Russian oak? Like what is what are the flavors you're trying to get out of that? And I think that that's very interesting when it comes to uh, Chardonnays and I. Now, Mason and I used to always say, I used to say this like almost every episode whenever Chardonnay would come up, I'd be like, I don't know that I've ever had a Chardonnay. And Mason's like, yeah, you probably had one. And and now I know that I've had lots of Chardonnay because I went to that wine event and there's a lot of a lot of people in America doing Chardonnay. Oregon does a uh, very good Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, and I think I do prefer the unoaked because it reminds me a lot more of like Chenin Blanc or um, – uh, Really, any of the ones that say Blanc on them, it's it's it reminds me of like a crisp white wine, mm-hmm. and uh, so. But I, I could I could see with potatoes uh, something like that going with it. Mason, what would you pair with potatoes? Um, I don't know if I would pair anything directly with potatoes, um, because like they were saying, you know, heavily buttered. Um, but like that's not usually like you've had my wife's uh, potatoes like yeah. mashed potatoes like where she does in the crock pot yeah it's good or can do in the crock pot um so like those are usually pretty salty and peppery so like again like I like maybe not a chardonnay but like a vignette okay. um kind of like something that's going to stand up to like the heavy coating that a potatoes will give you um but like yeah potatoes itself like I, I wouldn't directly say. Okay, well, that's interesting because, like, I, for for me, I did put potatoes in my notes because that is one of the ones that I could think of that was vegetarian. And I said I would choose Rhone Village because it's fruity and spicy, uh, and I think that goes well with with a starchy a starchy food. Uh, I also said Australian Shiraz because Australian Shiraz has similar characteristics. It does tend to be 
uh, spicy a little bit, and it is very, very fruity. And I think like fruit and spice goes very well with something that's starchy. Uh, but yeah. but you know what? That that it's I with your guys' answers, I'm starting to kind of reconsider it a little bit. I think that I think maybe uh, I need to branch out a little bit more into white wines because all of my answers for all of these, for the most part, are red wines. That and whenever whenever something that's like full bodied and tannic doesn't go with it, I go with something that's a fruit bomb. And so like I'm, I'm kind of a one trick pony in that case. Uh, any any other sides, Mason? Do you have any sides that you that you particularly like, and that you have something that you might interest think was a good pairing with it? Well, as you you know, um, since you've had a lot of these meals, or you know, in these meals and passing it mm-hmm. in my house, mm-hmm. or at least with my wife cooking, we do a lot of Brussels sprouts. Yeah, now, I do, I do we like do a Brussels sprouts halved, and then we've taken to doing them in a cast iron pan now, so they get like a good char yes, on them. That's the yeah. best. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with those, like, again, like, because it's the Brussels sprouts, like, I want something that's a little more clean because mm-hmm. um, the Brussels sprouts have such a unique and complex flavor. Yeah, they do. Um, so, again, like, I, I would probably be going something in uh, a white, but, like, kind of like a weaker white. So not that, like, Sauvignon Blanc is necessarily weaker, but, like, a lot of Sauvignon Blancs, like, on the lower price point – don't have a significantly complex flavor. Okay. So they're not going to distract from this really different food flavor, at least for me, like with, um, like, um, Brussels sprouts is like the flavor is so different than what you're expecting. Like you want something that's going to complement it and be kind of sweet, but acidic, but not be like, wait, what is this other whole flavor? Unless, yeah, like or unless uh, Brussels sprouts was the main dish, like not necessarily side, but if it was the main dish, yeah, then yeah, probably something complex and a little more aggressive red, um, maybe like a higher end um, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon or like um, like Cab Franc, but like from a more exotic region yeah. where they're like they're a little less uh, refined in the taste. Okay, that that makes sense. Uh, you know. Brussels sprouts is a tough thing to pair with, man. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, um, like, the first thing that came to mind was vino verde for me, something that is really light and it has a lot of mineral notes yeah, to yeah. it. See, I, I think that, that would go well. That's what I was kind of going along those lines as well, but I was thinking something with, that was more um, herbal, like more uh, like like bell pepper flavors, Um Kind of in, more in your face when it comes to like the vegetable-y notes. So like something like Gruner Veltliner, uh, Veltliner um, I think would go very well with it, which uh, is a uh, lighter variety. Where is it from? I, I think it's Austrian. Maybe it's German. Um, but uh, th- those tend to have like a lot of that like pep- bell pepper flavor, vegetable flavor. Uh, and I think that would go very well with it. And I'm trying to remember the other one. I have this Spanish wine. Mason, I told you about it. That is mm-hmm. really bizarre. It's it's meaty. It tastes like kind of like bacon. It's weird. It's it's mm-hmm. like it tastes sort of like smoked bacon. All right, you gotta let us know what that one is. I, I'll I'll look it up. It's it's <laughs> it is it's. I didn't know if I liked it at first because I tried it and I was like, this is weird. This is really strange. And I was like, maybe it's a bad bottle of wine. But I messaged uh, Elizabeth from Wine for Normal People and asked her, like, actually, I can I can tell you what it is. I'll, I'll look it up real quick uh, because I messaged her about it. Uh, 
I didn't know what to think about it. I was like, I, I kind of like this, but it's it's like very very acidic, but it's also like bacony. It's weird. It, it it is so strange. Uh, let me see. I got it. I got it. in My comments here. Um, yeah, it reminds me of one of our um, cab francs that we had somewhere in Virginia. I wish I knew which winery we were at. It gave me notes of pepperoni, like strong. That was like the most pronounced note I had was pepperoni. <laughs> yeah, I, like some some of oh, these. Wow. Sometimes wine can like express these like really bizarre flavors and and like i would think with with something that's like very bitter like brussels sprouts something savory would probably go really well with it uh the one that i had it's called um marquis de toro finca la mora mencia 2015 it was it's cheap it's like eight dollars a bottle it is really weird it is a strange strange (laughs) wine i didn't i had i had no idea what to say about it it was like it was meaty. It was. It was. It had a lot of savory notes, but it was also incredibly, incredibly uh, acidic. So it was like, it was like acidic bacon. It was weird. Uh, hmm. So I'm um, that one. That would be one that I would be like, well, let's try this maybe with Brussels sprouts because it's kind of a weird wine, and Brussels sprouts are like a weird food. Uh, we get a lot of Brussels sprouts at work. We have a cook at work who cooks us lunch, and he he makes Brussels sprouts a lot, and he's really good at making them. But he usually. Then they wouldn't be very vegetarian friendly. Uh, he puts bacon in them usually. Yeah, ours usually has bacon grease as the yeah. That's the start. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of what made me think of it. I was like, well, what would be bacony that would go with this? But for vegetarians, that may not be the greatest thing ever. Uh, you know, he he actually he tries to cook one of his items as vegetarian, be, or at least absent of pork, because we do have Muslims that work at our company, and. Um, now he doesn't always do that, so they're they're out of luck. But uh, <laughs> so, but uh, I, I I was trying to think one one other thing that I put. So I I did actually talk about the starches, like uh, like you guys at uh, Cork and Java talked about them. But uh, the last item that I that I went for strictly vegetarian was um, items that mimic meat. So I thought that I didn't like tofu, but I recently had like some Chinese food that had tofu in it. And I thought it was pork. So apparently I do like tofu if it's done correctly. And <laughs> uh, and this was like a really good Chinese food, I thought. And kind of thinking about that particular dish, which did which was very salty and uh, had a lot of like soy sauce and that kind of stuff in it. I was sort of thinking about that. So if you have like items that mimic meat, and I was looking up like the ingredients for tofurkey, which does tend to be like tofu, mushroom, and like a shit ton of soy sauce. Uh, I went ahead and said Beaujolais Village, and I said Warmer Climate Pinot Noir because they're very fruity. That I think goes very well with uh, soy soy products, uh, things that are fruity. Or I I, I kind of associate soy products with smokiness, and so fruity fruity wines I think go really well with soy products. What do you guys think? My first thing was when you said soy was the Kung Fu Girl Riesling that we tried Mm -hmm. about Uh a year ago or so. I just remember that, like thinking, man, this would go really well with a lot of Asian cuisine. Okay. And, uh, um, and also, a lot of tofu dishes are a little bit lighter than a lot of meat dishes, even though that they're mimicking meat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that uh, at least like uh, a dry to semi-dry riesling would probably pair well with that. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. What about you, Mason? What do you think? 
I'm going to go with both of your recommendations because nothing specifically comes to mind. I don't eat a lot of tofu. Um, And while I do have like Chinese food quite regularly and I do put more soy sauce in it, um, I don't like I don't usually drink anything but water with that at the time because of the just the salt and the soy sauce. So Mm -hmm. um, that's right. You you are you do tend to be a little bit more sensitive to that. Yeah, so I'd probably just be like, "Well, I'm going to follow what you guys suggest." <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that, that sounds good to me. Uh, I have one bonus item. What time is it right now? Eight thirty, eight thirty-three, my time. What time is it? Your guys' time? Nine thirty. Nine thirty. Okay, and what time did you? You all had a hard out, right? Or was... Um, no, I mean we're good for another like ten or mi- ten minutes or so. Okay, so my my bonus item because this is what I I've lately been interested in. And it's mostly because, like, the libertarian community on Twitter that I'm involved in has been talking a lot about duck. Uh, have, do you guys ever prepare duck, and do you eat anything with duck? I've only had duck once, and it was on a burger at 8020 Burger in Norfolk. Ooh, 8020 Burgers is really good. Uh, yeah. That's a, great, that's a great burger joint. If anybody's ever in Ghent in Norfolk, and you're doing, like, the, the brewery tour or whatever, go ahead and, like, stop by at 8020 Burger, because it's a great burger joint. Yeah, so that's, I think, the only time I've tried duck, and it was pretty good, but I, I wouldn't know what to pair with it. No, we did have it at a rehearsal dinner uh, one time for my cousin's wedding. Okay. Um, it was, like, this big, like, it wasn't a steakhouse, but it was, um, you remember? Uh, Joey's? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember having duck. It was, it, was, it was sort of like a steakhouse slash hibachi, um, but yeah, I you got the duck, and I tried some. I just remember it was... Kind of greasy. It, it is. Yeah. It does tend to be very greasy. It's a very fatty bird. It's one of my. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. But it does. Um, if you eat too much of it, it makes you very sick, or at least it does to me. Um, <laughs> and and but it, it's also. I love it. Like it. It's like it's one of those things that like when we cooked an. I think I I, sh- I told this earlier. We cooked an entire duck, and my wife and I liked it so much that we just couldn't stop eating it. And, uh, and like we, I think actually there was a little bit left over, but we, we ended up eating almost the entire thing on Christmas day and like we were full and then like kept picking at it and like picking at it and picking at it. And like, it was almost gone. And then we both were like terribly ill for, for, cause, cause it is, it is, it is incredibly, incredibly fatty. It is a very fatty, fatty, uh, creature. Uh, Mason, how much, uh, duck have you had? I have quite a bit, um, but not not since I started drinking a lot of wine. But given the fat in it, um, I generally, yeah, would go something acidic would be kind of my first uh, choice usually. So probably like um, like probably like a dried Riesling. Okay. Um, but also because it's duck is kind of darker mm-hmm. i probably would go with like almost any um non-sweet red okay that's interesting because you know what i picked was i kind of like reached back into my memory banks of the wines that you've introduced me to mm-hmm. and i was like you know what would go really great with this incredibly fatty duck is pinot grigio uh, yeah i think a pinot grigio true, yeah. would be just a great like it's got that it's got a lot of that like pear flavor and stuff in it but it's also very mm-hmm. acidic and I think that pear does complement uh, just the flavors that are in duck, but also the acidity helps cut that fat. And uh, it is such a fatty, fatty, uh, 
creature, like animal, I don't know. I thought that that would be like kind of a a good thing to go with. But you know what? If I was to go with a red, I would probably go back to Beaujolais uh, or Pinot Noir. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I think both of those are acidic enough that they would they they would pair really well with it. Particularly duck, duck does tend to have like kind of a smokier flavor, even if it's not smoke. Um, so that was kind of like our bonus thing. Anybody else want to? Actually, you know, we we were we did mention this briefly. Uh, was desserts and Cork and Java? You guys are probably a little bit more versed in in the desserts area because of coffee. And also, uh, have you ever done any dessert wines on your show? Yes. Okay. And um, we've done a few. We've done a, a a tawny port, which ports usually go well with a lot of different desserts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the standard rule for pairing wine and dessert is you always want to have the wine sweeter than whatever you're eating. Right, right. Um, so uh, another good wine that we've had on our show, too, was a ja- – I think it's Jackson Triggs. That yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, um, it's an ice wine from Canada. Okay. And so, yeah, ice wine. I love Most ice wines yeah. uh, for dessert wines, especially if they're made legit, like from the northern regions where they actually pick the grapes frozen. Right. Uh, as opposed to a lot of times the places further south, they'll pick the grapes and then throw them in a freezer. Uh, um, but, yeah, Um a lot of different there's a lot of really good dessert wines but then there's a lot that are just like almost syrupy and kind of gross yeah so um um i think the jackson triggs was amazing ice wine mm-hmm. and i would definitely recommend that for pairing with dessert mm-hmm. and um one of the best pairings for dessert wine that i've had is like cream cheese or like a cream cheese icing i don't okay. know what it is but it is so good with dessert wines mm-hmm. well you know the only dessert wine that i i wouldn't even say i drink it regularly but one that i i don't pass up if it's offered to me is uh i don't know if i'm going to pronounce this correctly it's uh saturnes is that correct mesa do you know, I, yeah. do you know I don't one? know specifically that one saturnus it's spelled uh hang on let me look it up real quick it's spelled um I guess it's, it's on the lighter it's on the lighter side of ice wine so it's not quite as thick as an ice wine but it's on the sweet side of wines and it's um s-a-u-t-e-r-n-e-s saturnus saturns maybe uh i've had this with tropical desserts so desserts that are high in like mango or coconut or uh any of those like kind of like fruitier fruitier desserts so like a maybe like a mango pudding or uh guava pudding or something like that this goes super well because I think by itself it's disgusting. Like I don't, I hate sweet wines. They're like my least favorite ever. But I, when I was getting my W set certification, I, they were like, look, a lot of people don't like these. I, I understand if you don't like it or whatever, but I want you to try it first. Take a spoonful of this pudding, which is incredibly, incredibly sweet and very uh, fruity, and then take a sip of that wine. And you do it, and it's like the wine changes completely. And it's and you start detecting in the wine itself the 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 sweetness is like cut down and you start detecting all of these other additional flavors in it that make it super more like super complex much more interesting. Um, and so that's the thing. That's the thing about dessert wines is um, when you're pairing them it, more than like any other wine because you you do like wine and cheese pairings all the time. Yeah, and it, it enhances and changes the flavor 
uh, quite a bit, but nothing changes the flavor of wine like something sweet in your mouth, like a chocolate or something like yeah. that. It completely changes the characteristic of what you're drinking. It it does, and it make it. Just, it's uh, I don't know how if you guys ever have done like like guided stretching or anything. I used to be in this like stretching class where they they would be like uh, they'd be like try to do this stretch, and you like stretch and like it doesn't work very well, and then they're like now push against it the opposite direction. And then allow the stretch. And then all of a sudden you're way more flexible because like your muscles have like given way because it's like it, it, it trusts, it trusts like the direction or whatever your muscles, like there's not like that, like mental block or whatever. And that's like, that's sort of what like I, I put along the lines of this, uh, like sweet, sweet foods with dessert wines is that like you, you take a dessert wine when you haven't eaten anything sweet and you're like, oh my gosh, this is nauseating. It's sweet. It tastes like syrup or whatever. It's, and then you eat like, a pudding, like a, a, a like a pudding packed with sugar and fruit flavor, and then you sip this wine, and your body's like, "No, I trust you. You just ate this like ridiculous pudding, <laughs> and now <laughs> and and now and now you're eating, now you're drinking this ridiculous wine, and then like it opens up and clicks in your mind, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, there's this and this, there's this and this, there's this, there's all of these different flavors that I didn't see before because it was just like like kicked out of my mouth by the sweetness." And and I've always detected that with ice wines as well because we we get uh, ice wine occasionally here because my wife likes sweeter wines, and um, we I get that from ice wine as well where it's sort of like it doesn't to me is not a very palatable wine until I've had like something sweet with it like like dried fruit or a pudding or a cheesecake or something along those lines and it goes really well with that. Uh, Mason, what about you? What what is a dessert that you like with? Uh, your holidays that you think would pair well with a wine? Because um, <clears throat> you actually so, rec- you recently had a ice wine, actually. I did. I had my first ice ice wine. Um, they cheated as a the uh, so it was a late harvest red dessert wine from Chantham Vineyards over on the eastern shore. Um, so it's done yeah, in an ice wine. What was that? Yeah, we've been there. Yeah, so this was done in the ice wine style, but they did it by putting it in the freezer, basically. Um, but it was, like, nauseatingly sweet up front, but then, like, as you kind of let it, like, you have the second sip is really good. So for Thanksgiving, my wife made a pumpkin pie where she roasted the pumpkin pie, uh, roasted the pumpkin, and then, like, went through the whole process from there. Now she did use uh, crushed cookies as the, the base of it. But um, so, like, for me... Like this late harvest red dessert wine from Chantham Vineyards, like I want to get another bottle. I thought it was fantastic, um, super sweet, but like with a pumpkin pie, which isn't necessarily always sweet, especially the way like I had my wife like slowly pull back on the sugar because she made like three different versions of this pie to kind of dial it in. Yeah. Um, so we were only getting the um, sugar from the cookies that were crushed up. Um, so, like I, you know, I, I don't dislike sweet things like sweet desserts but i generally avoid them um so like a good pumpkin pie pretty much will always be like a, especially in the holiday season like thanksgiving to christmas like a good uh dessert to me <laughs> so. yeah yeah you know the, the one dessert that i uh the one dessert one that i'll mention and i've only actually ever had this once have any of you guys had uh i think it's called tochai or tochai um it's hungarian it's, it's no, a, I haven't. Okay, it's made. It's made basically from like raisins. Um, it's uh, really, 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 really sweet. I've had it one time because they sell it at the Russian store, and uh, and my wife is Ukrainian, so we get a lot of stuff from the Russian store. 
And uh, I got just going like, well, I wonder what this is or whatever. And it is ungodly sweet. But there's a sweet dessert that we occasionally get as well, which is Turkish Delight. And Turkish Delight is also nauseatingly sweet. <laughs> but Turkish Delight with Tokai or Tochai or Toki or however you say it is really, really, really good because they both taste good when you have <laughs> when you have them together. When you have them separate, like to me, it's just like ugh, like it's it's just too much. But when you have them together, it's really good. So it, it's it's spelled um, T O K A J I, and I think it's spelled Toki or Tokai. So uh, or it's 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 said that way. Uh, it is a very concentrated wine. Uh, like I said, I I think it's made from. It's either made from um, what they call noble rot, which is grapes that have been rotted by uh, this particular type of mold, or it's raisins. But I I don't recall which one. Uh, and so that's that. That I think would be an interesting dessert wine. But you know, I, I feel like we we can't not mention this because it's it's widely available. Um, well, so Saturnus, but um, port. Uh, which we did mention earlier, uh, port is actually a very uh, popular dessert wine, and it, it is widely available. You can get it at a, a very wide range of price ranges. You can go, you know, from very inexpensive to very, very expensive. Uh, but because we have Cork and Java on here, I also wanted to kind of double back on what type of coffee goes the best with. Uh, what types of desserts because I, I don't really know how that all works out. I know that some coffee can be uh, very darkly roasted, roasted and very bitter and some of it can be lightly roasted. Like I occasionally have uh, a type of Swiss uh, instant coffee that I like a lot. It's very, very light and with cream, it's great. But like by itself, I it coffee's not for me. It's too bitter. But uh, what would you, what would you guys say? Like when it comes to like, well, e- either or you could, you actually, you can do both if you want. You can do coffee, and you can do different types of liquor or mixed drinks. So with coffee, it's not as diverse, I would say, as wine. So generally, most coffee is going to pair well with pretty much the same things. Mm -hmm. But um, a lighter roast coffee is going to be a lot more acidic and a lot more fruit notes and like citrus notes than a medium or darker roast. Mm -hmm. And I think with desserts, a medium to darker roast... Um, has a lot more of that kind of chocolate, um, uh, kind of caramel kind of flavors, a lot, lot more kind of nutty flavors typically. And it depends on the region where you're getting the coffee too. Like if you're getting some from like Ethiopia or Uganda in Africa, it's going to be a lot earthier than mm-hmm. like your South American coffees. Right. Um, but it, it really depends, but I'll, Pretty much all coffee is going to go well with most desserts. Like, doesn't really matter. The sweeter you go, it doesn't matter. Coffee's going to uh, going to pair well with it. So uh, it's not like wine where you have to try to make sure the wine is sweeter than whatever you're drinking. I mean, I only drink coffee pretty much straight black. So okay, um, it's not has really only has the natural sweetness of uh, the caramelized sugars in the, the bean when you're roasting it which isn't super high so right um, so yeah it, it really goes well with anything sweet so um for coffee wise it's not too hard it it's hard to go wrong mm-hmm. pretty much on that end but uh liquor wise mixed drink wise um so we're doing right now a 
12 days of Christmas cocktails um, on our channel where I think we're on day like eight or nine. And uh, we have, we just filmed some, they're not up on the channel yet that uh, I think would be very good kind of feature desserts on their own. Like we, was a cookie? A sugar cookie martini. Sugar cookie martini. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. The thing was like drinking uh, the liquid cake batter ice cream from Folsom Creamery. It was like delicious. I mean, yeah, just imagine like a sugar cookie doused in vodka. Yeah. Pretty much what it was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting uh, cocktails. We, we did a uh, peppermint mocha mudslide. That was good too. Well, you know what? One of the ones. Oh, yeah. We did a caramel apple hot toddy. That I think that's the last day, day 12. That'll probably be up in a week or so. On but, on uh, on day seven, you guys did the the holiday Moscow Mule, which I thought was really interesting. I might I might actually make that because of I think my wife would enjoy it. Can you go over that real quick? It's it's ginger and cranberry. Yeah, we just actually made some of those last night. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's a um, vodka based. Uh, it has cranberry in it. It has cranberry juice in it and ginger beer, ginger beer of course, and um, if you want to, you can add a sprig of uh, rosemary, which we tend to do. It gets more kind of um, a bouquet more than anything flavor-wise in the drink. But yeah, that it's it's a nice kind of Christmas spin on the Moscow Mule. Yeah, I like I like that one a lot. On and I just realized I'm not actually in your group. I just follow you, and so that's why I've been <laughs> seeing all of these. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that Moscow Mule one to me, like that sounded really cool. So if anybody wants to like check out cool mixed drinks, this is a great channel to, or it's not a channel on Facebook. What do you call it? Just a page? Uh, uh, it's a group. It's okay. a it's a group on Facebook. Just Cork and Java. Okay. All right. Yeah. So go follow Cork and Java on there. I think that there's a lot of really good stuff. I think that's all I've got in my notes. Mason, do you have anything else you wanted to talk to Cork and Java about before we uh, close out the show? Not tonight, but. Uh... Appreciate them coming on. It was great talking to them. All right. Do you guys want to go ahead and do your plugs one more time before we sign off? Sure. Yeah. We got um, our YouTube channel, of course, is at Cork and Java, as well as our blog, corkandjava.com. Uh, we got a Twitter, which is at Cork Java, and uh, Facebook, Cork and Java. Sorry. Pinterest. Um, yeah, Pinterest account. Cork. Yeah, there's tons of great boards, um, all different sorts of recipes, wine pairings, tons of information. Uh, to check out on Pinterest. Yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of our followers are Twitter people, so go check them out on Twitter, and uh, that will help them out. But it will also help grow the people who are doing a good job drinking <laughs> lots of lots of wine and, and different types of cool liquors and stuff like that. Um, so I think that that is it. Uh, Mason, you want to go ahead and do our plugs real quick? Yeah, so <clears throat> excuse me. So you can always follow us at uh, tastinganarchy.com. You can send us an email at tastinganarchy at gmail.com. Jacob is active on the Twitter where you can always send him a message and rile him up about anything you like. Uh, we're Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Um, you can also follow Childerberg, which is the annual event we do in Texas, which will be the 23rd through the 26th of 2020 in Austin, uh, which is happening right around the Libertarian National Convention. That's that's right, and I think this is going to be a, a, a big time. I'm going to 
I'm going to say this now, and it may or may not come to fruition. I'm going to try to have signups available for everybody before Christmas. So it's going to be first come, serve, first serve. It's free, uh, but you need to sign up for a campsite because I have a limited number of them. So if you want to stay at Childeberg, then you've got to sign up. If you just want to attend, that's fine. Um, you can stay at a hotel or whatever nearby, and that, and that that'll work out perfectly. So uh, I guess that is it uh, from Mason and me at Tasting Anarchy. Stay free. Stay free, everybody. And remember, Cork and Java were on this episode. You guys can go ahead and sign off in, in whatever traditional way you sign off on. All right. Until next time. Bottoms up. All right. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Wine for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Port and sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den, he wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine, he hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the other day, wine, wine for the other day, wine, wine for the other day, wine. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some by fifth and some by four. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine.